once again. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I am, of course, your host, Mr. Six Foot Nine, JT the Godfather, joined by my co-host, always Mr. Down to Do a Podcast, Mr. Ryan Mack. What's going on, everybody? And today we are on episode number 27 of March with Mike's. It's a lot of big things happening right now on the scene, especially the indie scene right now. But if you haven't heard, Absolution 13 is just around the corner, junior, July 27th, bell times at 730. Uh, a lot of lot of guys going to be in that card, but one guy in particular that we're talking about today, we're talking about one of the hottest guys on any scenes. And if you're ready to be sports entertained, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Magnum C. Hey. <laughs> well, that's a hell of an intro. I don't know if I can live up to that, but you know, it's, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, it's funny because, you know, the whole sports entertained thing, uh, was kind of tongue in cheek at first, you know, and because uh, my first time around in wrestling, you know, over 10, 10 years ago or whatever, people would get mad about that type of stuff. They're like, you know, it's wrestling. It's not sports entertainment. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of doing it now. And I just kind of said it as a joke one time. I, well, I'll be honest. It, it happened during a match with PB Smooth. And it just popped into my head to just put my arms out and yell that out. And it really got a good pop. And I was like, dude, I was like, okay. So I started making shirts and stuff. And then I've seen some other people start using it. So uh, one thing that people don't know yet, I guess this will be an exclusive for you guys, is I, I filed the trademark. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stay ahead of stuff, you know? <laughs> right. So I just think that it's so ridiculous that I'm like, I spent like my money to like, uh, just because like, you know, I, I, I consider myself, I always say the same when I was telling my friend, uh, my writing partner, uh, I was kind of being facetious, but we were talking about how, you know, you put an idea out there in the public and people sometimes they'll ask if they can use it or take it or sometimes just take it. And it's like, yeah, fine. I don't care. And I was like, hey, pal. And again, I was kind of joking. I was like, listen, I'm a factory, not a warehouse. Okay. So you, I'm just putting it out there. You take it. You can take it. But the, the all you not sports entertained, I was like, that's really clever. Like, I want that. I'm keeping that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a t-shirt right there. You know, I mean, you got to hold on to that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah so i guess if there's one thing in wrestling that i wanted to just own i was like that's mine sorry <laughs> yeah exactly i i enjoyed the uh the oregon trail tie-in that you had the one time that you have died of sports entertainment and all that that came <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing like the sports entertainment you know my good friend of mine rj city uh up toronto way just he um yeah yeah yeah, David Arquette. Yeah, RJ is one of my, you know, I would consider RJ an actual a friend of mine, you know, not just a, a wrestling acquaintance. You know, this is a business of a ton of acquaintances and, and, and sometimes very few friends. And he's one of the ones I consider a friend. And We talk with great regularity. We have a lot of similarities. But, you know, he does the whole sports entertainment thing. And that's like, right. Like, I'm not claiming to have invented that. And The Rock was saying it, you know, and all that. It's just, uh, you know, I think it's funny, and that's that's the one little the one little sentence that I own is, "Are you not sports entertained?" You know, so yeah, so I've been trying to tie that into some other things, and and it's been kind of catching. So hey, all right. <laughs> yeah, I guess actually Vince McMahon uh, in, in, invented it. If you want to get uh, way back to the sure. 
you know, he said that we're not wrestlers, we're sports entertainers, damn it, you know, and... Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't think you, you couldn't trademark sports entertainment, but, you know, you can trademark certain phrases and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, that's mine. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, as I said, uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it, man. We're pumped yeah. up about it, and uh, we're pumped up about the event next weekend. Uh, JT and I... Just came to, uh, what was it, back Memorial Day weekend. We had the JT Lightning uh, tournament, and uh, that was our first exposure to really independent wrestling, period, but uh, but also wow. AAW in general. And uh, we were we were big fans right away. We're big marks for the AAW, as you would say, you know. Oh, well, I appreciate it. So, wait, so Jay Lit was your first indie wrestling experience? Yeah, to be quite honest with you, man. It was it was my uh, oh. it was our first indie uh, experience. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat a bullshit. But sorry, ladies and gentlemen, first uh, four little word there, five little word. But uh, you know that that is more than five. Look, who's counting? Anywho, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was our first our first uh, indie show because I I told I told Ryan I said, look, man, I'm new to Ohio. I keep hearing about AIW. I keep hearing about the production. And uh, the first person actually to put put me on to the production and Magnum CK in particular was our co-host Pamela Nicole, and uh, she said, "Oh, wow, okay. There's a, there's a tournament going on. Jay Lit. I'm there at the AIW show. Jay Lit, and we see this group called Production comes through. And I see one guy in particular. I see this guy coming down. He has he has a couple of his uh, members of the faction in front of him." He's walking through the entranceway and he's flipping guys' hats off. First of all, <laughs> where did that come from? Because that's the first time I've ever um, You know, it was a few weeks. It was about a month before I debuted for AIW. And I was in a smaller show and my, my wife was with me because we were going the next – that night after the show, we were driving like eight hours to New York City to stay for a couple of days and see, see some shows and stuff. And, and I don't know. I was just kind of feeling silly. And I was like, I'll tell you what. I was like, how much – I was like, I'll bet you. I was like, what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to come out to Andy Kaufman's theme song, which is just like <laughs> this three-and-a-half-minute – repetition of the same 30 seconds just over and over and over i was like i'm gonna come out to that and i'm gonna take i'm gonna take my uh, go as slow as possible and i'm gonna make them play the whole song <laughs> no you're not i was like and that's all i needed to hear i was like okay yeah i'm doing it okay so <laughs> so i just put my arms out and i was just walking as slow as i could to try to because i'm just trying to make her laugh you know and i was it was and i was a bad guy so that everybody was mad and uh, and then some guy was just standing there, and he wouldn't move. And I was like, "Well, I'm not moving." And he had a big stupid like like he's like a redneck guy and a big stupid hat on. So and he was kind of giving me some lip. So I just grabbed his hat and I threw it across the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Well, that's kind of funny, you know." And that guy was legitimately angry, you know. I, and and I wouldn't. I'm not trying to say anything bad about him, but I think he was a little kind of a slow guy, you know, I mean, you know, I was messing with him, you know, uh, but I, you know, so I was not like, uh, I was trying to, trying to take advantage of his, you know, whatever, but like he was a wrestling fan and he was really into it. So I was like, fine. So AIW is, is a little different. You know, the, the fans are, are, they play along really well and they know what's up and, and it just kind of became a thing where it's like, 
people would know I'm coming and they would stand there with their hats on because they want it to happen to them. So it kind of became a fun little thing. Uh, the night you were there is the only night I've ever had a problem uh, in, in the last three years of wrestling uh, since I came back, which is a fan grabbed my mouth. He fish hooked my mouth and like touched my, grabbed my face. And I, I won't lie to you. I'm a very, um, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm a really nice person. <laughs> like I try to be, and I'm very, calm most times i don't it takes a lot to really get me worked up and i was like it was just a flash i was mad because i was like dude like what like i'm a performer this is part of the show i'm goofing off i'm not gonna hurt anybody i'm playing around but like some random stranger and i have a germ thing anyway so he's like putting his hands in my mouth like my instinct was to punch this guy in the face (laughs) (laughs) And, and so then I was like, I had this like flash. My grandfather used to have this piece of advice that I heard him tell my aunt. She's a, she's about 10 years older than me and she, she's an attorney and everything. And he, he told, he told her this advice a lot. And I used to, I kind of kept it, but um, he would say, you can spend your entire life building a reputation and you can ruin it in, in, in five minutes. <laughs> and that's true. And I was like, okay, well, if I punch this guy in the face, I'm now the guy who punched the guy in the face. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And his buddy was standing there laughing with his beer. So I just smacked his beer and I was like, get out of here, you know? And then I even felt bad about that. Honestly, like there were some people around who got a little beer splashed on them and I gave them some, some eight by tens and stuff. And I tried to give them t-shirts, but they're like, no, 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 no. Uh, they were really cool. And I, you know, John Thorne, the promoter, I was like, Hey man, I'm sorry about the beer. He's like, it's like, that is not the worst thing that's happened at a wrestling show. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> But it just kind of worked. It was something different. And then, you know, I've even toyed with different ideas of like, oh, man, I should change it up. And then uh, I think a fan had mentioned it to me on Twitter. They're like, it's perfect. Like, why would you change it? And I was like, okay, all right, fine. It's my thing then. (laughs) If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? So, yeah, uh, you guys in the production, I mean, that that was something we latched on to pretty immediately. You're all very animated. Like, you're – a faction, if you want to call it that, but you're all, you'll have your own identity and whatnot. And yeah. Coming up this, not this weekend, next weekend, you are going to be challenging PB Smooth and Hornswoggle, or Swoggle, I don't know what to call them technically, since it's, I think Vince McMahon owns Hornswoggle, but uh, <laughs> it's you and Frankie, if I'm right, uh, for them, for the tag belts, right? Yeah. Now, well, uh... What well, I was gonna say, you know, I've worked, I've worked with PB a few times, and and I've worked with Swaggle a few times as well, and uh, I think it's an interesting. I've worked with them both separately, you know. So when I've worked with PB, he's a he's kind of a bigger guy, so that's one kind of match, and then I worked with Swaggle. But the thing that I always liked to do when I worked with Swaggle is. You know, he's not a big guy, but he's like a superpower, you know, like he's like uh, he's magical, you know. So I don't know. There's a lot of room there for lots of different things to happen, you know. So I, I haven't thought it, thought it through yet. I kind of like when I work with guys like Swoggle, I like to kind of go in and see what see what they're thinking, you know, and see how that's going to that's going to play out. Yeah. One thing one thing I could definitely say, um, how how did this even come about? Like. How did how did you don the name Magnum CK? Uh, it started as a joke. Uh, so um, 
you know, when I wrestled before, I wrestled for about five years from 2004 to 2009, around that way, around that time. And I didn't want to use my actual last name. And I, and I was trying to think of something that started with a, with a C or a K sound like my first name and uh, Chris. And um, I was watching Young Frankenstein and Madeline Kahn popped up. And I was like, oh, Kahn, that's a good. So I was Chris Kahn my first time around in wrestling. And when I came back, I kind of kept that name. And I was like, I don't know, I wanted something fresh, you know. My whole thing with everything, but most especially with wrestling, is I try to look at what everyone else is doing and I try to do something different. And um, I noticed that all the guys had were shaving their chests. You know, that's just what you did. You know, you're a wrestler and you shaved your chest. And I was like, okay, well, that's one little thing I'm going to do different. I'm not going to shave my chest. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to let my chest hair grow out and all that, which is weird, but whatever. Powerful. Yes. And well, I never thought that I would do that because, you know, I just uh, was always kind of self-conscious about it. And I was like, fine, that's different. I'll have a different look. And I took a picture, uh, like an Instagram picture, and and uh, I, 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 I got into a conversation with my, again, my writing partner. And, and I, I put hashtag uh, Magnum CK because it kind of rhymed with Magnum TA. And he's like, dude, that's actually a great name. And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's like it's 80s and it's different and nobody has a name like that right now. And, you know, Magnum TA hasn't wrestled in 30 years, but it's kind of an homage to him in a weird way. But it's, it's new also. And I was like, yeah, not bad. And I kind of pitched it around to a couple of people and they liked it. So I was like, all right, fine. You know, I'll just switch to that. And I thought about it, you know. Since then, like doing the whole theatrical type of thing, I was like, ah, oh, does the name still work? And then I thought about like, all right, well, there's a dude named Triple H right like uh, some people don't even know that it's hunter hearst helmsley i mean they just know his name is triple h like first name triple last name h (laughs) you know and there's a guy named big show the big show like they don't call him big show paul white he's just big show right so then i thought well the name doesn't really matter as much because it just becomes a label that you attach to a face at some point i was like you know it's unique enough and if, if some company ever wanted me to change it we could switch it around or something but uh it's kind of fresh like i know um do you know the podcast dinner with the king yes what was jerry the king Lauer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the host on that show is a, is a friend of mine, and uh, we met because he saw me at, a, at my AIW debut, and, and we've kind of kept in touch, and, and, and I've been on some of his stuff. And he mentioned to me, to, to Jerry Lawler on the air, like, you know, I saw this great guy, you know, his great entrance and all that. His name's Magnum CK, and Jerry Lawler just, like, crapped all over it. He's like, Magnum CK, like, geez. He's like, wow, that's, that's just like Magnum TA, you know? And I was just like, yeah, that made me a little self-conscious. But I was like, you know what? My wife my wife was like, yeah, but it's just your own thing. I mean, guys are going to think that no matter what. You know, it's just it's your own little brand. It's your own little name. So don't think too much about it. So, yeah, it, like I said, it just some of the best things to me start out as a joke. And then you're like, oh, that worked. Like, okay. Because <laughs> I like it because, you know, sometimes people call me Magnum. Sometimes they'll call me CK. But I don't know. It's just it's different, you know? 
Right, right. Yeah, I was I was wondering if it was Magnum PI, Magnum TA, what the deal was, if it was like a combination of that and Louis CK, what the uh, deal was. <laughs> I don't know if you received any backlash over the Louis CK scandal or anything like that. People going, Ooh. No, no, you know, well, so it's funny because this is kind of a long, I won't go into it, but it's because it's kind of a long thing and we're covering it uh, kind of elsewhere anyway in some other projects I'm doing. But sure. my, my middle name is is currently it's Daniel and I'm named after uh, a family member who I just don't think too much of. I remember and like, we don't speak and like, I don't know, it's not something I'm proud of. So uh, actually upcoming, I'm changing my middle name. Uh, I'm having it changed and it's going to be, it just happens to be, this wasn't even planned. What I want to change it to actually starts with the letter K. And I was like, well, I'm actually going to be a CK now. Like that's weird. And it was totally, (laughs) It was totally a coincidence. I was like, the name I wanted to change it to happens to start with a K. And I'm like, well, that's weird. <laughs> okay, I was wondering there when you were saying my middle name is currently. I was like, does it is it fluid? Does it change often? Right. Yeah, no, I decide. I, I use my middle name based on my mood, you know. I see. <laughs> any thoughts since you're already a heel any thoughts on uh, changing up the gimmick of the wrestler that gets in trouble by exposing himself or anything like that to <laughs> no no i don't think i'll go that far yet i i have too much of a real life of a, of a real of an other I, I have about three different careers going at the same time and i think a couple of my other careers wouldn't look too too fondly on that it's funny like <laughs> i used to think there'd be a big stigma with wrestling you know uh because i'm an educator and i also work as a as a director of theater you know i get that's my other job um and i always thought that oh they're gonna be like oh we're not hiring the wrestler to come direct our show but they get it they think it's cool my wife again kind of pointed that out to me because i was like you think these people aren't gonna hire me because i'm a wrestler and they're like why (laughs) i was like i don't don't know i was like you know i I was turns out i was the one who was self-conscious about it you know i was just like I don't know. Is that weird? Like I'm a wrestler. She's like, that's kind of awesome. And I was like, yeah, I guess. I was like, do you think they know it's theater? And they're like, well, not unless they're like six. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's more theatrical than a pro wrestler, right? You know, and uh... yeah, it's just acting. I mean, you know, I, and I and some wrestlers get offended by that, but it's sport. It is sports entertainment. It's acting that hurts a whole bunch and it's very physical, and you have to be in a physical condition. Right. And it's just it's just a stunt play. With no rehearsal, <laughs> you know, it's live. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's it's a theater with stunts. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, hey, at least at least your wife actually supports your, uh, you know, supports your passion. My wife isn't hasn't even listened to the show yet. <laughs> well, she encouraged it. You know, we made a documentary. Uh, it came out about uh, well, it came out about two, a little over two and a half, about two and a half years ago. But we started making it over three or four years ago, and. That's what kind of led me to getting back into wrestling. It's on Amazon Prime. It's called Marking Out. And uh, it actually was pretty popular. We won some awards and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, we were making a documentary. And my wife's like, well, why don't you wrestle anymore? And I was like, oh, I never thought I was any good at it. You know, like I, uh, I had a lot of personal problems and the whole part, like I didn't have a place to live for a little while. So wrestling wasn't exactly <laughs> top on the list of priorities, you know, when it's like, I don't know where I'm going to sleep today. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then she was like, I think you would be really good at it. Like, why don't you go back? And then I kind of got that hair, you know, that kind of wild eyed thing again and started training and came back. And I'll be honest, like, I feel really fulfilled with what I've, what I'm doing, you know, like, I feel like I'm, I'm, perform- I'm, 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 I'm 
have have become or am currently becoming the performer I always wanted to be in wrestling. So that's a pretty cool feeling, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I've been following you on Twitter for you know the last few months, basically since we uh, made it to that first show, and uh, yeah, I feel that you're happy that you're having a good time doing all the traveling and meeting people and just getting to perform in front of all kinds of different fans and whatnot, and that's that's really cool. But um, I'm glad you brought up your your wife too, because uh, I was going to ask because um, I saw on the Twitter that uh, you guys had met in theater and whatnot, and that's. Uh, where you got together and just was going to ask about your background as far as, cause I knew you were into the theater and, and teaching and stuff like that. And I would think that being a wrestler, it's actually kind of like mutually beneficial, you know, because you get kinds of different experiences that cross over to both sides. It's funny because I have, I have a professor at Ohio university who is actually, he's become a friend of mine and he's a retired teacher and he, he's just awesome. And he actually came to one of my shows not that long ago. I was totally surprised. He just tweeted at me. He's like, I came to the show tonight. I was sports entertained. And I was like, okay, thanks professor. Like, <laughs> like that's cool. But, uh, he, he's the first one to point it out to me because he knew how he found out. He found me on Twitter as soon as I got into his class. I don't know how that happened, but, um, and he was like, you know, you're going to be really good at this teaching thing because, you know, of wrestling. And I never really thought of it in theater and I never really thought about it, but it is. Yeah. It's just all standing up in front of people and kind of going with it. But, uh, yeah, so I've been doing theater. Uh, I just realized the other day it's been close to 15 years now. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, because I started, I, I was awful. They, they had me, and I'm not even counting this as the 15 years. I, I, the first thing I ever did uh, well, the, it was ninth grade. They made everybody uh, be in the fifth grade or the ninth grade play, and I was awful. And they gave me the role uh, with one line, and I delivered it terribly, and I was nervous and everything. But um, junior year, I had this English teacher who had just taken over the theater program, and she needed men and she didn't have any males, you know, and it was a speech class and I was kind of just having fun. I remember one time doing a Hulk Hogan promo for speech class, like, like, you know, like we had to do a presentation and she's like, it can be on anything you want. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make a protein drink like Hulk Hogan, you know, so I'm just like up there like in speech class, like, let me tell you something, dude. Like, you know, you, you put the whole egg in, dude, all the proteins in the eggshell, dude, you know, and like, like doing all that. And of course, all these kids are like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, pro wrestling that's not accustomed to it like they don't know how to process it most of the time it's it's jarring <laughs> it's alarming <laughs> yeah and uh she was like you know you ought to audition for the shows next year and i was like oh whatever you know like uh you know i had a friend i had a friend at the time who was really into theater and i was just like intimidated by it and i was like oh. and she's like no please do and i did and she encouraged me and she cast me and everything so then it was just off there you know i lived in chicago i studied at second city um i've done over i i just stopped counting i've done over 30 plays and musicals and the first musical i ever did there was a local theater uh, you guys let me know if i'm going too long or this is boring because i just keep talking <laughs> uh, i had never done a musical my 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 uh I've been married. This is my second marriage. You know, I always say that it always takes me two times to get it. You know, I had to quit drinking <laughs> twice. Uh, I had to try wrestling twice. Second time I got it. Uh, the second marriage, that's the good one. You know, <laughs> it took me, took me two tries, but I got there. And, um, uh, you know, I, my ex-wife, she got me a ticket. Uh, we weren't, we weren't quite married yet, but she got me a ticket to young Frankenstein, the musical. And I had never done a musical. I'd never sung a note in my life. You know, my dad, 
uh, was a working musician and everything. And I played guitar. I picked it up really quickly. And I'm, I have that musical mindset, but I never sung. I was always shy. And uh, I, I remember watching Young Frankenstein, the musical. I've always loved Mel Brooks. And I was just like sad because I was like, I'll never, I'll never get to do this. Like, oh my God, this is heartbreaking, you know? So I just didn't have a good experience. And then uh, about a year later, there were auditions at a local theater for Rocky Horror Show. And that's like my favorite. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is my favorite, one of my favorite movies. And I was like, man, I'd love to be in that. And I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to audition. And it was, they had the auditions one week before my wedding, right? Damn. And so I didn't have a bachelor party. My, my soon-to-be wife was at her bachelorette party. Uh, but I was stayed home to try to teach myself how to sing before the auditions <laughs> and I auditioned and then, and then the singing was, man, it was okay. And then they read some scenes and that was kind of my strong suit. And I just went for it hundred percent. And I ended up getting cast as Frankenfurter. And I met the woman that night that they cast as Janet was Alexis, who, who I ended up eventually marrying. I met her one week before I got married. And I remember meeting her and being like, oh this is the worst timing because i immediately was like this is like the second i saw her like i was like that's my person like i just knew it it was the weirdest thing and it was just one week before you know you can't call off a wedding for someone you just met you know (laughs) i mean yeah it's not it's not a 90s you know 90s i'm not john stamos in some like lifetime movie or something you know i can't just do that so uh you know, uh, Alexis and I were friends. We became friends, and, and we worked in several shows together. And honestly, after a few years, it was just kind of like, "What are we doing? Like, you know, let's just do this." So we both ended up getting, you know, handling it as best we could, and both getting divorced and getting together. You know, so. But a quick side note uh, to the story is that uh, in 2015, I got to play the lead in Young Frankenstein the musical, and just went full circle. Oh wow! Yeah, it is full circle, man. I mean, you started you started out as as Drake would say, you started from the bottom. Now you're here, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now the next the next thing we definitely <laughs> wanted to ask you, uh, far as far far as uh, you know your journey goes. Now you stopped and you started wrestling. Where, where where did you train at? Like who who trained you the first go round? Yeah, yeah. Who, who trained you the first go round? Hello. Uh, I well, so my uncle is a wrestler, uh, or was a wrestler rather. He's currently he's still a, a, a promoter. And, uh, you know, he's kind of, I think he's kind of aging out at this point. He's having some health problems, but he's still hanging on. And we talk pretty regularly, but um, it's kind of a crazy story. So there was a local wrestling federation. uh, It was, it was called NWA Tri-State. And I'd gone to some of their shows as a teenager with a friend of mine. And uh, I'd never heard of him. He took me to some of their shows. And then I, I ended up getting a job at a movie theater uh, my senior year. And I remember walking in to walk upstairs to go clock in on my first day. And I saw one of the wrestlers walking down the stairs in a uniform. He worked there. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm sure like I did the worst thing, which was like, hey, you're, aren't you a wrestler? You know, like that whole thing. And he just seemed like really uncomfortable. And then we ended up 
becoming friends and his name is Tammy. He, he wrestled as Vance Desmond and uh, he was like, listen, you know, we train. I always told him like, man, I always want to be a wrestler. And I went up to, to Pennsylvania and I did like a boot camp, you know, with this guy named Rocky Reynolds where he just killed everybody, you know, and make, made you throw up and all that. It was kind of, kind of, are you sure you want this kid type of camp, you know? And, and uh, I stuck with it, you know, I made it through the camp and I was like, yeah, you know, I still want to do this. And so I went in with him because they had a training uh, once a month. They'd have training, you know, before their show, their monthly show. And I got the ring and the promoter uh, was like, you know, I started kind of training around. The promoter walked over and he pulled me out of the ring and he's like, well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be $50 for you to have a little tryout so I can look at you and decide if you're going to be able to be trained. And then after that is like $1,200 to get trained. And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> like I don't have two nickels to rub together. So I was bummed out and I was like, well, maybe wrestling's not for me. But then I had this idea. My grandparents had this old church building. It was a landmark that they can't tear down, but it wasn't a working church anymore. So they were using it as a storage building. This big, sturdy old building, like legit stone foundations, big old time, built in like 1895 or something like that. But it was huge. And I was like, hey, promoter, I have an idea. I was like, instead of you doing your training once a month, you know, and only making money once a month off these guys. What if you could train any night you wanted? And he said, he's listening. And I was like, I have a building. If you give me free training, you can use that building all you want. And uh, so they set up the ring out there and we take it down once a month to take it back in. But it was kind of, it was a weird bit of training because it was kind of like the veteran guys there would, would run the class and, and, and Tim was one of them. And uh, you get, you got trained that way. So I got several hundred hours of training just for free like that. And then I started wrestling. I took to it really quickly. But then when I left wrestling and I came back recent, this most recent time, I trained with Mike Quackenbush. So, that was a good way. Yeah, it was different. And I, and I'm always open. I, I just did a seminar last night. I, I, I just love learning. I, I have that type of personality where I just want to, uh, I want to look at some, something from every different angle and figure it out. So, I mean, I've done stuff with uh, William Regal and Matt Riddle and Tracy Williams and AJ Styles. And, you know, I've done all kinds of seminars and stuff. So uh, I'd say I got my base training, you know, back in the day, and then uh, and then uh, uh, Mike Quackenbush kind of shined me up to this newest Man, run so in wrestling. You're definitely open, open to train and open to learn, which is great because a lot of a lot of these guys, uh, once once they get in and once once they find their niche, it's almost like, okay, I know everything. There's nothing else I need to learn, and I've always. Well, that's right. That's exactly right. And that's, that's ridiculous because I come from the world of theater and you're not, you're never done learning. I had the first kind of mentor I ever had in theater. When I met him, he was 80 years old and he's, he's since passed. It's been a long time. But the, one of the first things he taught me was you're never done learning. He's like, listen, I'm, I'm 80 years old and I learn something every audition I you know, he was directing mostly at that point and acting here and there. But uh, he's like, every show I direct, I learn something. Every audition I hold, I learn something. Every, you know, he's like, once I'm done learning, well, then I might as well quit because, you know, I'm either closed <laughs> off or I'm the grand master of all time. <laughs> so you just have to be open. I've learned just as much from bad wrestling as I have from fantastic wrestling. It's like just last night I did a seminar. It was with Matt Riddle and it was the second time I'd done one with him. Uh, 
but he's just a great guy and, and I, I get along really well with him and and uh, it, it was a lot of MMA based wrestling stuff and, and that type of stuff and I'm like that's fine I can learn something from that because if they ever have me hook up with Matt Riddle or Dominic Garini or whatever what are the the, the crowd's going to be shocked when the sports entertainment Terry Funk Ric Flair wrestler guy walks in and does you know like a step over into a like you know a roll up and a, and a, and a knee bar you know like <laughs> they're gonna be like what <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just one thing i can say that yeah. i can definitely tell about you you are definitely you're definitely an open book that's that's always uh willing to be written inside to go ahead and store stuff in almost like a journal that was off the top of the hip i had about seven beers uh excuse me if it doesn't make sense now but if you listen to it later, it's going to make sense. No, it does because, and I appreciate that. I, I, I'm an actor first and foremost. And um, I, I can't tell you all the things I've gotten just from the outside world. I was doing a show called the boys next door about these uh, uh, four kind of mentally different, different levels, but kind of mentally challenged guys who live together with a, with another guy who takes care of them. And, I was playing one of the hyper, he's like the really hyper vigilant OCD, like just he's a million miles an hour character. And I couldn't, I just couldn't figure out why it wasn't feeling right. And I was out at Tim Hortons and I looked over and I saw this guy hunched over walking like a duck. And I was like, Ooh, that's it. And so I started walking like that and it was like, boom, the character all clicked. So you being an actor, you have to be open because the world is your source book. You know, that's where you get everything from. And I just carry that into wrestling. Like, you know, I, I mentioned my friend RJ city, you know, he's a wrestler and I'd say he's kind of on my, my side of the spectrum as well. We're on where as RJ told me once in Toronto, he walked up to me and he said, you know, I feel that you and I have a very similar oeuvre. <laughs> so we have a similar aura, a similar, we're on a similar part of the spectrum. And he's kind of more the, old school sports entertaining type, but he's the one who told me to lay some of my stuff in, you know, cause I would do these funny spots and my whole thing was ha 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 ha. Then boom, big right. cutoff. It's real now, boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then kind of get really serious. Cause my favorite guys always did that. Terry Funk, Terry Funk was a total goofball, but when he had somebody on the ropes and he was getting vicious, you thought he's going to kill that guy, you know, and the, and the same with like uh, Roddy Piper and Ric Flair. They were very funny and doing all the bumps and flying around. But when when Flair had a guy's leg, that was it. And you knew it. And so I was kind of toying with that idea that I think I've gotten much better at now. But it was about a year, year and a half ago. I did the ha 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 boom double clothesline. And RJ was like, hey, man. You know, here's RJ City, who the last person I would ever think is going to tell me to lay in my stuff. And he goes, uh, you know, the ha-ha was perfect. But when you hit those guys with those clotheslines, take their effing heads off. You know, he's <laughs> just like laying it. Just let reality come crashing down around them. And it was great advice. But who would have thought that that was going to come from RJ City? Not saying that he's not an expert, because he certainly is. But I just mean, who would think RJ City is going to be like, hey, yeah, lay it in, kid. <laughs> you know? But you... Yeah, you have to be open, and that's that's a rule for life. That's improv. Yes, and don't bring don't bring the cathedral with it. You don't have to build the whole cathedral. Bring one brick, add something to the conversation, but you have to be open to mm -hmm. let someone else Absolutely. put their brick down so on, the, on, on, on the wall your, too. Your background, your history. Um, where are you from? How did you get involved with AIW? And when did the production become a thing? How did you get to know those guys? Well, I'm from, I was technically born in, in, 
uh, Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is literally on the Ohio River. So I've always kind of lived around in, in the Ohio area. And, uh, you know, like I said, I dabbled in different cities. I tried to move around as, a, as a, you know, acting in Chicago and everything. But I ended up kind of coming back this way because I wanted to get married to my wife, you know, my current well, my wife, you know. Uh, and so I moved back here to be with her. So I'm in Athens, Ohio. And uh, I'm just about three hours or so, three and a half hours from AIW. But oddly enough, you know, the way John Thorne tells the story is kind of interesting. I didn't get in AIW by pounding the promoter. Or, you know, hey, brother, hey, brother, hey, brother, can you get me a spot? Um, Chandler Biggins, who was, I don't know if you guys know who that is or not, but he was, yeah, one of the co-owners of AIW a couple of years ago, uh, I guess just about a year ago, a little over a year ago, he got really sick. And I've known, I had known Chandler because uh, I'd actually wrestled a battle royal for AIW. It was my rookie year and it was their rookie year. They were running out of some bar in like 2005. <laughs> and I just did like a battle royal and I forgot all about it. But I was doing a remix pro wrestling show a couple years ago. And Chandler's like, you know, you worked for us one time. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, Battle Royal. You know, he gave me like the month and the year. And I was like, oh, my God, he just remembered it, you know. So we kept in touch. And we never, we never talked wrestling. We always talked about podcasts and stuff like that. And he turned me on to some really cool podcasts and he got sick. And I just remember that helpless feeling of, you know, there was this podcast we were both listening to and the, the kind of the, the finale episode was coming up. And I remember sending him a message and being like, you got to get better, buddy. Like, we got to talk about it. Like it was the Richard Simmons podcast where they're trying to find Richard Simmons. I was like, dude, we got, you have to get better. We have to talk about Richard Simmons. Like, oh my God. And I never heard back from him, you know? And that's just that helpless feeling of like, wow, like this guy's fading away. He's dying. And uh, I sent him a nice uh, piece of art, you know, a Terry Funk related piece of art, you know? And his mom told me that one, on one of his last good days is when that came in the mail and he was really happy. And I was like, man, like that's what life's all about. You know, kind of trying to be there for somebody and, give him a smile or whatever. But anyhow, that, that all was going on. And I was at a remix pro wrestling show and John Thorne was there. Cause he brought in Shayna Baszler and a couple other guys. And uh, <clears throat> he was like, he was just kind of standing there. And that was when Chandler had taken a real bad, really bad turn for the worse. And, and they were thinking he wasn't even going to live through the night. And he was there and, 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 and I was getting ready to leave. And I kind of saw him standing there alone watching the show. And I just walked over and, and for about 20 minutes, I just had a conversation with him just as a person, not as wrestling people, not about wrestling. Wrestling didn't even come up. We talked about Chandler and I, and I, and I, you know, just told him because I didn't know John very well at the time. And I, I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was just real people. I'm a real person first before I'm a wrestler or anything else. And um, I just remember getting saying like, okay, man, we'll take care. And I'm hoping for the best. And he gave me a hug, which I was like, wow. Okay. And I left and, 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 I just didn't really think much about it. And a couple months later, <clears throat> he said, are you free these dates? And it was like the rest of the year. <laughs> and I was like, I'd always wanted to be at AIW, but I just wasn't bothering him. You know, I know they're busy. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, 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 I can be there, you know. And uh, I found out later he did a, one of his podcasts, and he said that, you know, I had never seen Magnum work. I'd never really watched his matches. Uh, but when he walked away after that conversation, I thought I'm going to find a spot for that guy. And, uh, you know, that's just, it's just goes to show you, you know, you just get out there and just be a good person and you'll get opportunities. Now 
I would say the follow-up to that is I've done everything I can to hit home runs, you know, like I've done, I've tried to work as hard as I can to, to be a good choice for him to book on his shows. But, you know, it just goes to show the different right, ways right. Yeah, that you JT can get in some place. never got to meet Chandler because we were newer to AIW, but um, we've heard a lot of stories about him and everybody always has <laughs> great things to say about him. You know, you never hear anything negative uh, or otherwise. So, yeah, it's definitely a bummer when things like that no. happen to such good people. But... It's funny you say that because I always think that because I had another uh, an old friend, someone I hadn't talked to in a long time. It was a guy I did a, a little independent movie with um, in my in my hometown years and years ago. And he was just the greatest guy, business owner, successful guy and uh, helped everybody, you know, went out of his way, would give you the shirt off of his back. And he just collapsed of a, just a freak heart attack, you know, that the, the widow maker, they call it that or that big artery or whatever it got, you know, just out of nowhere, 4th of July, boom, just passed. And I remember thinking like, wow, like this guy was the best, one of the best guys I've ever met. And then you could think of like 10 people who suck and I'm like, they're still alive. <laughs> like these awful people I live and this Either awesome guy is gone you know like oh <laughs> I mean I was thinking more along the lines of like Bruce maybe, Beefcake maybe no, I'm just kidding yeah so you got hooked up with the production uh you know you got uh, Derek and Eddie and, and Dan and uh, and Frankie uh, how did you get to know those guys totally just the the brainchild of John Thorne you know he just had Frankie doing this theater deal and I'm a legit I'm also I'm a legitimate theater guy and and I I, I owe so much to John Thorne because before he gave me the theater idea, I was doing this kind of 80s thing, and I didn't really know what I was doing, and I was kind of lost in translation. And then he's like, you're a theater guy, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, well, just, you know, we should do that. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, God. <laughs> well, that makes sense, you know? So between John Thorne and my wife setting me straight here and there and t- telling me, uh, you know, giving me great advice, I, they're the two people that kind of made this whole thing happen. I probably wouldn't, oh, I, I wouldn't even be talking to you guys. You wouldn't know who I am without those two people. And, um, which I think is good. I think people need to give credit where it's due more often, but, uh, you know, uh, it's funny how the whole group happened. It was an accident. So John Thorne sent me the dates. Right. And I remember where I was cause I was petrified because he sent me five dates for the rest of 2017 the first date was an August date and it was absolution 12 with Arn freaking Anderson. And I knew, and I knew, and I was like, Oh, I can do all of those dates, but I can't do the August one. And he goes, absolution question mark and absolution. And I was like, I know, but I had a, I had a contract with the theater. I was in, I was in a production of hairspray and they were just, it was paid and, you know, I'd have to pay all that money back and quit the production and everything. And I was like, I just can't do that. You know, not the production, the group, the production, the, the Hairspray musical. <laughs> production of the play. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it was a lot of money, you know, and, 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 uh, cause believe it or not, Matthew justice had to ask me uh, uh, 10 questions before he believed that I actually make money in the world of theater. You know, <laughs> he's like, really? He's like more than like 10 K. And I was like, yes, yes. And he's like, wow. You know? He's like, <laughs> Shaking his head like, 
freaking guy's a wrestler. Like, oh, geez, you know. But, uh, and then, so John Thorne's like, you know what? And here I'm thinking it's over. You know, my shot at AIW is done. I can't make absolution. He's like, you know what? I think it'll work. And uh, so instead of having me come out and just be, being Frankie and me, uh, he's, he added Derek Direction and another guy who's not in the group anymore. He added them and turned it from a two-guy thing to a whole group. So it actually worked out. Hmm. Okay. There you go. I was wondering, yeah, if you guys somehow knew each other or if you got put together. So there you go. That answers. You know, I had known – I think I had done a couple of shows that Derek was on, and I don't know that I ever met Frankie. But I had done a couple of shows that Dr. Dan and Dominic Garini were on. And here's my thing. You can never go wrong by just being kind and nice to people. Now, I don't pander. I'm not going to kiss anybody's ass or, or but I just try to be as nice as I can because that's just, again, the world of theater. You know, I, we don't come in and, and, and act like we're better than everybody. You're, you're, you're a collaborative effort. So uh, you just shake hands and be nice and just be easy to work with. And uh, Dominic Garini and Dr. Dan had been on a couple shows with me and they just gave me a positive report card, you know, like the guy's good in the ring and he can talk and he's super nice. <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, yeah, cause it's not fake. It's just, you know, I don't know how deep you want to go into everything, but you know, when I first started therapy, I always thought something's wrong with me. I'm not happy. And she's like, yeah, you're not trying. I was like, well, what do you mean? I, I just thought happy people just woke up and sprung out of bed and were like, hell yeah, I'm happy. You know, <laughs> uh, she's like, no, it's constant effort. Like it, it really is. And I was like, that's when it kind of snapped into focus. And I was like, well, okay, if you want to be a nice guy, you got to try to be a nice guy, <laughs> you know? So I just try to be as cordial and as accommodating as I can. And I've definitely had my problems. You know, I've had run-ins with people here and there. I'm not going to let people take advantage of me, but you know, when there's an issue and you, you're, you're the level-headed nice guy, well, who do you think everybody's going to side with and trust their opinion? Probably the level-headed nice guy. So when I have had problems, I had to speak up and speak my mind and kind of be like, no, you're wrong and or whatever, then they'll listen to you because they know that you're rational. Sure, yeah. I mean, it never hurts to be nice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, no. I'd rather deal with you than uh, somebody that's difficult, absolutely. So. Well, I've just seen people throw away careers, not just in wrestling, but in anything, just because their attitude sucked. And I'll be honest, there have been times in my life, my younger times, when I didn't have the best attitude, and I fully admit it, you know. And th that theater I was telling you about where I did Rocky Horror and I did all kinds of shows in Young Frankenstein where I met my wife, I actually – I had a really bad run-in with a technical director there who almost killed me. He, he didn't know what he was doing, and I was doing 9 to 5, the show 9 to 5, and he was hanging me up from a, a harness – and he had me up there too long. It turns out you can't be in a harness more than like seven or eight minutes or else the blood does, it, it, it pumps out to your extremities and it doesn't come back. Uh, and, and, and you go into cardiac arrest like within a minute. Uh, and I started to pass out and he, I was stuck. He didn't have anyone there helping him. And it was during a, a test uh, for the harness and he didn't have an assistant or anything. I didn't know that. I just trusted him. And he, he, I almost died. They told me I, I could have easily died. I actually ended up getting myself down. He couldn't get me down. I finally was able to reach up. You know, I was about to pass out, and I unhooked myself and fell down to the ground. And uh, so he and I had some run-ins, and I forgave him. And uh, they had a board meeting and everything, and they asked me, you know, should we fire this guy? I was like, nope, 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 just put safety measures. He's got a family. I was like, he just made a mistake. I was like, so put safety measures in place, do all that. And then the guy was thankful, thankful, and 
flash forward six months later, he's being a big jerk to me and kind of talking about me and all this. So I was a little younger and I got hot about it. So I started having a really bad attitude and I didn't feel I had a run in with a couple of people there, some arguments here and there. And I didn't feel comfortable in that theater. That's the theater in my hometown, you know? And so I'm, I'd moved away and I just thought, well, I'm never going to do theater there again. And it was a big hole in my heart, man. It, it was, it was tough. And then I've changed a lot in the last three years for the better therapy and wrestling and my wife and, and just life changing stuff and whole new, completely 180 degrees turn and outlook. And I went back there. My wife was just recently in a little shop of horrors there. And I was nervous about going back in there and a couple, they fired the guy, you know, the guy who, who nearly killed me or he quit or something. He's gone now. So he, he doesn't matter. But there's people I had run-ins with. I'll tell you what, I walked in, I looked them straight in the eye and I shook their hand and I just, uh, one guy's a music director. I shook his hand. I said, you guys sounded amazing. I'm not surprised. You're the, you're one of the best I've ever seen. And I just swallowed it, swallowed it all the, the pride that kept me from apologizing and all that. And you know what? We hugged and that was it. And it was a thousand pound weight off my chest, you know? So, so I'm saying, you know, I just recently, I just did it last night. Uh, there was someone at the seminar last night. Uh, he wasn't taking the seminar, but he was there and we had kind of had a, some problems a couple of years ago and he's in wrestling and I just sat him down. We sat down in the office and I just looked him in the eye and just said, listen, all the, th all the problems that I caused, I'm sorry for, you know, I was like, I'm an adult. Let's, I'd love to bury the hatchet. I'm not going to tell you how to feel, but I'm just saying, I guess a long story short too late is that's just a good way to live your life. You know, just bury that crap. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not costing you any money. It's not making you any money. It's not helping your family. It's hurting your life and your, your, your feel, you're walking around with bad feelings and it's, it's, it's detrimental. So just deal with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could definitely totally relate, man. I mean, I, I remember being 12 years old and yeah. walking into Walmart and uh, I shoplifted uh, probably about $10 worth of things and I got banned from the store. Well, oh, wow. I just came back to my hometown last week for the first time in uh, about a year and a half. And for the very first time, I stepped right back into that Walmart. And mind you, I'm 11, 12 years old. I'm, I'm 31 now. So you're talking almost 20 years. Yeah. I haven't been inside that Walmart I walked inside that Walmart, and fortunately, the same manager was there. And, uh, you know, I, I told him, like, hey, I apologize for being a, you know, a punk kid stealing $10 worth of stuff. I really hope you can take me off this wall of shame and hope we can bury this thing. And um, he actually let me back in the store. He didn't call the cops. So wow. I relate to that. Uh, but, not the, but, but, but not to get off subject, one of the questions that we definitely had for you was uh, this. Now, you're very passionate about your acting, and that's very passionate, and I always encourage people to always follow their dream, follow their passion. But the major question we have for you right now is, if a contract was to come up with one of the major leagues out of here, whether it be your WWE, your ROH, your, uh, your New Japan, your Impact, or whatever name they're going by right now, uh, where, where would you feel more comfortable at far as you Oh, uh, you know, I don't know. That's a great question. I guess my mind, uh, I know a lot of guys who have been around a while. Got it. Like, you know, I don't know. Uh, still there. Yeah, I'm still here. So, oh, okay. I did a weird thing. Uh, but anyway, 
I, I, my mind doesn't really think that way because, you know, my wife, uh, I, I have friends and, and my wife, of course, and, and a lot of friends who are really, really gracious and really nice. And they're like, you know, you should be on this and you should, oh man, I just can't wait. You know, the, 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 it's crazy that they don't have you on this show and that show. But I'm just always like, yeah, you know, I'm not right for them. I'm not right. For, I, I don't see myself. It's just a, it's a self, it, it, it's not a confidence thing. Cause I know I can excel at every level. Uh, that I'm that, that I would ever be put in, but it's just a self self esteem thing of like they're never gonna call me, you know, like ah they got all these guys, that's okay. I'm uh, I'm happy with my little my little part of the pie over here, but um, I don't know. A ring of honor sounds like a lot of fun. I don't know that uh, the the w, the developmental thing uh, with the WWE and everything. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to really I'd have to really lay low for a while and kind of until they trusted me because the, the best person to have writing for me is me. I think, <laughs> you know, I really like the creative outlet of wrestling. So wherever I would end up at that, where if I was ever to be lucky enough to have something like that happen, um, I'd want to be the place where I could at least be creatively involved somehow. Uh, and, and I think that's just the, the actor and director part of me, but, but I don't know, like I said, I try not to get too egotistical and think like, yeah, man, why aren't they calling me? You know, it's like, listen, there are so many people that can do so many more things and, and so much better than I can. Um, I'm just trying to be the best version of myself, you know? So, I would love to listen. I would love to to buy a house with wrestling, <laughs> uh, but I'm just throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. Until then, I mean, I've had some pretty—I mean, not for nothing—but I've had some pretty important folks in wrestling tell me, like, "Man, what you know? It's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. Keep going, keep going." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine with that. You know, we'll just see what happens. I mean, I, I'm not gonna make any. You know, the best way to." Uh, hear God laugh is to make some plans, you know. Like, <laughs> so I'm trying not to make too many plans. I got a lot of irons in the fire. I'm just trying to do the best that I can. But I think whichever place that would let me have that creative outlet, because you know, I didn't think about this until literally this past week. But my wife was like, "Have you ever stopped to think about what it is you want out of wrestling?" And I was like, "Oh." No, <laughs> I was like, wow. I was like, no, I guess I really haven't. I was just kind of doing it. And she's like, just maybe that would help. Cause it's easy to get up in your head and feel like, Oh, it's aimless. What am I doing? I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. She's like, you don't have a goal really. Like, you're just doing the best you can. You know, she's like, think about what you want out of it. And I thought about it for a day and I was like, you know, I think I know what I want out of it. And she's like, well, what? And I was like, just that creative outlet. I just love that. Can't, the part in the pun, but just that blank canvas, you know, of like, Oh wow, we can do anything out here and it works cause it's wrestling, you know? So just that creative outlet. I want to keep being as creative as I can in front of people who appreciate creativity. So wherever that takes me is where I'd, I'd like to end up. Although I will say there's a, there's a, there's a little, there's a little part of me that does really want a Ribera jacket from Japan. So <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say when you were talking uh, that uh, it made me think of NJPW because I've heard uh, Jericho talk about his most recent run over there. And he said that it's so refreshing and so different from being in WWE because when you go there, you basically get handed something. And I think a guy like you would, hate that you know just having to read off of a script and, and not have any input but when you go over to, to new japan they just kind of say like well here's what we're going for go ahead and do it you know like be yourself you know? yeah. well i think the acting background of me like i could i could play any role i could play any part but yeah when it comes to wrestling it's a weird personal little 
piece of my heart where it's like, ah, I really like this kind of wrestling, you know, like I really, I really want to do it this way. But I, I take direction well. Like Matt Riddle was talking about that last night because some guys, he'd tell them to do something and they just kind of wouldn't do it. And he's like, I'll just be honest with you guys. Like that's not going to fly at the, the performance center. <laughs> you know, like if they tell you to do it that way, they're probably going to want you to do it that way. So I definitely take direction well, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. Um, and I'm slowly climbing up the ladder in a weird way. Like I see like not to get too inside, but I see that I'm able to, to make more money here and there. And it's not about money, but it, it does sting a little less when you can drive eight hours and actually come back with a profit. <laughs> and I was going to say, I mean, like just as far as not necessarily knowing what the end game is and all that. I mean, I think you should just enjoy your indie wrestling journey for what it is right now. I mean, it feels like indie wrestling has never been bigger or more popular than it is right now. I mean, there's all kinds of people yeah. digging it. You know, it's almost like back in the territory days of the seventies and the eighties and so forth, where you can go all over the country and there's people that are known and, and stuff that's popping off. And I mean, the show next weekend, absolution 13 has Joey Janela on it and uh, he's been going all over the place and he was just yeah. recently on stone cold Steve Austin's podcast. Right. So, I mean, how cool is that? You know, well, yeah. I mean, even like a friend of mine, Greg Iron, you know, he's a Cleveland guy. He was just on Austin's podcast, too. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a I remember a few years ago telling somebody, you know, I, I said, I feel like there's a golden age of independent wrestling coming up and they disagreed with me. But I was right. <laughs> uh, it's totally bigger than it's been in, in 20 or 30 years. Uh, but, yeah, you know, when you talk about just enjoying it, that's kind of the key to everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you were talking just enjoying about being happy. What was happening. And I, 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 well, yeah. And I told somebody that if, I, if, if, if the, the main thing I got out of this return to wrestling, however long it is or whatever I do, if I just had a good solid run at like, you know, like where I am now at AIW, if I could say, man, you know, they remember that guy and he had a solid good few years up there. Like, gosh, that's how could you not be happy about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's uh, I think you're, you couldn't be more right. It is like a golden age of independent wrestling right now. Um, we want to thank you for your time, Magnum. We're really pumped to have yeah. you on and whatnot. And uh, like you said, the show is next weekend. It's uh, Joey Janela is going to be there. Big Papa Pump. Holler if you hear my voice almost cracked trying to do that. That was really terrible. Was the but, worst uh, big pop of pump I've ever heard in my life. You know, it's a hard one to do. You know, it's one you can't do long, but it's a little like it's like, ha, ha, big bad booty daddy, because he's got he's got the rasp and the loudness, but he's also got like the uh, Michigan. Right. You be like guys. You know, it's like all right. All right. <laughs> But, yeah, dude, when are you going to meet Scott Steiner again? You know, uh, if you go to shop.aiwrestling.com, you know, tickets are actually limited. You know, everybody always says that, but it's that's a real deal this time. I know the front rows are gone. So uh, tickets are limited. So I would not rely on getting a ticket at the door because Scott Steiner is bringing them in. And I told a few people this, AIW is hit on a really winning formula because it's like these fans, they come in for – you know, Papa Shango, or they come in for Scott Steiner, but they stay for some great wrestling. Oh, sure. I mean, and you get you come in for those guys that you know from back in the day in WWE or whatever, and you get to see guys like the production, you know, and then you latch on to uh, what you guys are doing, you know. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. And uh, next weekend, it's you guys, uh, you and Frankie of the production versus PB Smooth. 
and Swaggle for the tag team belts. And uh, we, we like PB Smooth too. He's our boy. We've had him on the show before, but we certainly wish you the best of luck, bro. Well, we'll see what happens. And, you know, the, the name of the game is just have fun. And, and when, you know, when I get the pictures back from every show uh, from the photographers, uh, I'm not zooming in on muscles or how my face looks or whatever. I'm always zooming in on the crowd to see if people are smiling. And, uh, you know, that, that, so the more and more I've done that, the more mindful I've been of that, the more and more smiles I've seen while I'm out there. So that's just, uh, that's just it. We're going to have fun. That's it. Oh yeah. JT and I'll be there and we'll be marking out, you know? Yeah. Sounds good guys. I'll see you there. All right. Thanks for your time. I'm JT, Mr. Six foot nine. That's Ryan Mack. The voice that you just heard our special guest was Magnum CK. Get ready for Absolution 13, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see you there. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that it's 825? Precisely. Damn. I'm late for school. It's a power of life.